Before we get started, this episode of the Food Grower Podcast is sponsored by Natural Grower. Natural Grower's award-winning liquid fertilizer, plant feed, and soil conditioner is made entirely from maize. It's naturally rich in nitrogen, potash, phosphate, and other trace elements that plants and vegetables love. And it's approved by the Soil Association, Vegan Society, and Biodynamic Association. The concentrated natural fertilizer can be poured around the base of plants, whilst the plant feed and soil conditioner can be mixed into the soil or used as a mulch on the surface as a long-term, slow-release fertilizer on all outdoor and indoor plants. Both Jack and I have been using the natural grower products this year and have seen amazing results, and we have a fantastic 15% off the entire natural grower range for you. Simply go to naturalgrower.co.uk and enter foodgrower15 at checkout. This episode is also brought to you by Direct Plants Limited, and specifically their amazing range of polytunnels. We use these strong and affordable tunnels on both Jack's Patch and Fanfield Farm, and we love them. Direct Plants manufacture the tunnels themselves so that you can buy your polytunnel direct from the manufacturer, and not just any manufacturer, but from growers too, so that they really understand what you need. These traditional high-quality polytunnels are available in a range of sizes to fit your growing needs, and they're manufactured here in the UK in Norfolk. We're delighted to bring you a brilliant 10% off the entire range at directplants.co.uk. Simply head over there and use the code FOODGROWER at checkout. That's FOODGROWER, all one word, no spaces, at directplants.co.uk. Welcome to the Food Grower Podcast, the podcast that tells the story, highlights the techniques and talks tactics with food growers from all around the world. From market gardeners to allotment holders, field farmers to urban farmers. We hope that this podcast will inspire you to either start growing your own food or to help develop your existing food growing empire. I'm Chris from Fanfield Farm. I'm Jack from Jack's Patch. And I'm Andy from Urban Herbs. Today, me and Jack are talking about the heat wave that we've been experiencing and struggling with in the UK recently. Jack, how have you been coping with the heat wave, man? Yeah, man, it's been, it's been a bit of a difficult season. Um, got typical farmers moaning all the time, typical growers moaning all the time. I don't think it's ever a perfect season, but... We're looking, contrast to last year being quite wet, this is quite dry. What I think it does, it puts a little bit of armour on you as a grower. So it's like this is, you're find, finding uh, solutions within the problems all the time. How can I hydrate my soil more? How can I make sure that the plants are getting adequately fed? Also, the soil um, needs to be deeply soaked. These roots need to be pushing down further rather than being shallow. Um, so it's putting a lot of stress on certain plants and I feel like I'm constantly learning. Last year was a great year for like my celery and beans and cucumbers. This year, those are struggling because of the mainly for the water content they need. So it's definitely a contrast, but honestly, man, like it's it's something I always stress after the season is, oh my God, I've learned so much. So that's that's an interesting thing, Bam. But yeah, it is a bit of a struggle to constantly water stuff, um, and it's kind of gone beyond beyond using my mulches because even those are dried out, and then the straw um, underneath that, the soil is dried out. So it's a constant challenge, man. So how, how's, for example, you like selling your plants? Obviously, online, you've obviously got to put them in a packaging, and then you've got to get them onto like DHL or or whoever else, and then they've got to be pushed on. So that must be a bit of a worry, them drying out on the way. 
Yeah, I mean, I should say, because I'm conscious that there's going to be people listening to this podcast, potentially from all over the world. And it's so true what you say, by the way, about farmers just moaning about the weather all the time. I should say for those people who are listening away from the UK, we're talking about a heat wave that's happened here the last few weeks. Um, normally here in the UK, we think a hot day is around 30 degrees in our money. And it's been up there with probably 35, 36, 37 on a couple of days here, which for us has been really extreme. And you're right. It has been really challenging. I run a company called Urban Herbs. Most of you will know that. And we send out herb plants in nine centimeter plant pots. And when you're growing in a small size of pot, that actually means that it dries out more quickly. There's kind of less soil material to actually hold the moisture in there. So you're right. It's been a huge challenge. It's mm. meant that we've been doing a lot of watering. In a weird way, actually sending the plants out in the post has been the easiest bit of the process for us. Oh, interesting. Because once they're actually in the box, they're not in direct sunlight. And no, this is no joke. We water individually every single pot before it goes in the box mm. and make sure it's really well hydrated. Yeah. All the customers' feedback, especially during the really hot heat wave about two weeks ago, yeah. Well, the plants actually came out of the boxes really, really wet. Okay. So that's really good news for us. I guess it shows that we're doing a good job, but it was a lot of work along the way. Mm. Have you been spending a lot of time watering? Yeah. It's like as you've got more space, there's more things that need watering. So that equals more time. I feel like I'm actually doing less work on the patch like planting or weeding or whatever else because watering takes up such a chunk of the day and then there's other things that are happening off the farm that I'm trying to do to get just to keep money coming in but also diversifying the business and yeah it's it's been a bit of a chat it's been a it has been a bit of, bit of a big challenge like I mean we've done this podcast on a day where it's just poured it down which is amazing but Something we need to stress on that is that when soil has just gone through drought conditions, that if you have a downpour afterwards, it don't necessarily soak in it. It almost turns into a flood. So it's like because the soil becomes less porous because it's got like it's just gone through a bit of a, a battering in more than one way. So it, it, it's great. I'm glad we're getting a deep soak. Um, and yeah, we're. It's, it's been a massive challenge. Like even my indoor growing has been a huge challenge, trying to keep the temperature cool. Um, mushrooms like to be in ideal temperatures and the temperature has been way too hot. So I've not been getting any luck in there. And this is going to have a massive knock on effect. I was watching the news the other day and the farmer was saying that what, what I find shocking and really annoyed me, supermarkets are sending food back because it's not perfect so we're going through this drought and farmers are like, say, like a shorter cucumber or um, some things are just not looking ideal because of the weather. But they're adding to this problem of like this going, oh, it's not perfect. I don't want it. What we've got to realise is that if we're going through these challenging times, like any food's good. And that's going to if we if we're wasting food and we're potentially going to go through a food shortage, um, in winter and just being a grower myself I can see that happening it's not like doomsday uh, prophesizing it's like if the the weather is going to have a knock-on effect and they're already bringing out the grass 
to feed animals as well because the grass is dead for them to feed on in the summer months. Yeah, there's going to be a huge knock-on effect with this. So I think it just needs to be a collective effort that uh, people need to like be a bit more uh, accepting with growers that food isn't going to be perfect right now, like even sending stuff to chefs, like all my kale was burnt on the edges. And I said to them, like, I'm sorry about that. And other chefs, like, I'm kind of exhausting my beans. And they'll be like, they want it for four weeks for the menu, but I've only got one week's worth. It's just like, it's just not the same. And you feel like, oh, you're the fault. But I think they've just got to understand it's like, there's, <laughs> there's bigger issues than than that and I think we've all got to work with it chefs have got to adapt growers have got to adapt supermarkets have got to adapt that maybe there's going to be a lack in quality um so yeah man it's, it's a big there's a um we're pushing on the buttons of a lot of things right now and I think it just needs to be addressed or spoken about a lot more like yeah I definitely agree and something that I think so many people listening to this are going to relate to really really strongly is that we're all having that light bulb moment we're having that that moment at different points and for different reasons. But I think so many of us, the light bulb is starting to come on that we're all going to have to change our lives just a little bit because this extreme weather, it does seem like it's becoming more prevalent. The energy crisis, the cost of living crisis, mm. it's all coming together to make us having to, I think, change fundamentally the way that we live or the way that we look at things. And I just hope like you, that the supermarkets, for example, change their outlook in terms of what they expect from food. Because I think gone are the days when we can actually afford to waste food. Oh, I mean, god, my God, yes, totally. Could we ever, could we ever afford to waste food? But no. I think definitely now that's something that, as you say, it definitely needs to be spoken about more. Have you, have you noticed a shortage in terms of the output from your farm? And what I was going to ask you as well is, have you noticed some things doing better than others because of the heat? Well, uh, it, it's always the way. So each season you're going to get stuff doing really well. Like last year, I mean, I had courgettes coming out of my ears because because some plants are just 90 plus percent water content. So like, yeah, as celery was doing well, everyone said the beans were doing amazingly well last year. Uh, cucumbers would do well. Um, and and just things like that, just mainly water content. So, i.e., if it's going to be a wet season, they'll do well. This year, um, I've always struggled. I think every grower has one nemesis plant, and mine's always been aubergine. I've just never really got to an end of the season and been like absolutely stoked with my aubergine harvest, um, mainly because of the fact I've either done it in pots in and out of greenhouses. I've chopped and changed in 2020. It was just really poor soil quality that was um, going out. Um, so this year I've overplanted aubergine, done three different types, and they're all thriving because of the Mediterranean kind of weather we're getting. Um, even though they need like water to swell into an aubergine, they're just preferring that, that heat. Um, I've done outdoor tomatoes, doing really, really well. Um yeah, there's just certain things that I'm looking around going, oh, this is this is absolutely, it's just absolutely blistering. It's doing really well out of blocks. Um, and some things like just, for example, put planting them a little bit later, they've like, they've had that extra boost that I wouldn't have expected this time of year. And that they'll probably 
fruit in time or they'll be in and out of the ground quicker. So there's always potential for another crop to go in. Um, and I feel like it might lead into September, October. Um, I, I can't see it just dropping overnight. I think it will just be like quite a long summer. Um, but then when we had that in 2020, 2021 was a bad summer. So it's like, you just got to get used to it and, and like adapt with it. But through this, just the observing of doing, seeing crops do well, do you adapt next year and do them again? Or do you, yeah, it's just interesting, mate. Very interesting. So um, yeah, those aubergine tomatoes outdoors have done really well. I think that as well, that a lot of the people listening to this podcast are going to be listening in quite an interested way because either they're growing domestically, they're growing a little bit of food for themselves and their families, or they're actually looking to grow on a market garden level and actually market that produce. So it actually becomes a lot more important that you need a sustainable crop, right? Mm. And I'm really interested in the idea that you touched on there, that actually we're going to start changing what we choose to grow. Yes. So maybe maybe we're going to start growing slightly more Mediterranean crops, but also whether we actually gamble on having a really nice September and October and start planting stuff and planting stuff out that little bit later. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's one thing we can't predict is the weather, is it? Like uh, the furthest uh, we can look is like three weeks ahead on some weather apps and stuff, but it's never always like totally, totally accurate. I mean, I'd say in 2020, I would have been like, oh, next year I'm going to really push the boat out and do more Mediterranean stuff outside because we just had a hot summer. And if uh, predictions of what they say with climate change is just going to get hotter and hotter and hotter. And then we just had like a freezing cold, wet summer. And it was just really interesting how, how it flipped like that. So it's changed my mind. It's really hard to predict now, but I feel like if you see in, the the one positive is that you see a good season, you see a bad season, you see, and they're like, yeah, being so drastic the last two seasons, it makes you equip yourself more that now I've got more stuff or more infrastructure for a hot summer. And then last year I had more infrastructure for a wet summer. So you probably gain more material or you gain more knowledge towards those seasons. Um, it's very hard to predict that, but it's, it's good to have maybe um, that on your tool belt. Um, or you can listen to other growers, little hacks, because because I've been for a hot summer. Now I've got more hacks to like hydrate my soil and maybe save time. Um, so I think we're living for an era of like, complete wealth of knowledge and information and we can access that at the click of a button that's positive um and that's what i, be I believe instagram youtube and all that can be really really beneficial for people like us and then people listening well jack i was just going to touch on that because actually on your instagram account and i think on your tiktok as well you shared a little video where you were talking about a little hack for actually hydrating plants during a heat wave and also you know people are i should say you know becoming rightly so a lot more conscious of water conservation and how we water mm. and i was just wondering would you explain to anybody who hasn't seen it what that video involved because i found it really really useful just for my raised beds here so it was using like uh discarded plastic bottles i mean plastic just want a like, bit of a disclaimer i had one or two people argue the fact that plastic and water something that doesn't go well because we've got like microplastics and sun damages plastic stuff like that 
it was more to do with like using a waste product and like upcycling it for a positive spin before it goes into ultimately will go into landfill. We can't get rid of plastic. It's a, it's a massive shame. But what it was, was like, say like a big plastic bottle, um, you, you pierce holes in the bottom um, just with like the tip of a nail. Like I just heated up the tip of a nail. So it pierced really quickly through the plastic. Um, the top was already cut off a lot of the bottles. So um, the idea was that I can get my hand in, uh, lay some tissue at the bottom. So it covers the holes, but also lets the water through, but in a really slow way. There was a stone added for weight. So when that bottle becomes light, it doesn't get blown by the wind and tip over. Um, and then you just want to fill it to the top with water. And I did add some like additional like organic uh, fertilizer, whether that's like a seaweed feed or just like a, our sponsor's natural grower. Um, it was actually their fertilizer I used in the video. And then that's like slowly seeping into the soil, hydrating the soil like deeply and that you can, it's like slowly dripping it over like maybe an hour and then it will just slowly porously drip out. And you're like hydrating the soil, you're hydrating the plants, and then you're not getting the, the leaves wet in a hot baking sun. Um, and I just think that slow feed just lets plants suck it up without any stress. I think it's a really simple hack. In a small garden, it will work amazingly. Um, and there's just a little uh, bit of knowledge and a bit of information. There's a thing called an OLAS. This is like the, probably the best, best way. An OLAS is like a clay slash ter uh, clay pot vase thing that goes under the ground with the spout of it uh, being out just over the tip of the soil. And what that is, is like you water them and the porous clay seeps the water into the soil or the plants wrap their roots around it and attach and they access the water willy-nilly. <laughs> mm -hmm. So it's a really, it's an ancient thing that ain't, people used to do in ancient Greece um, and we can still use that ancient technology today to like um, benefit our soil health and benefit ourselves in a drought. So it's something I definitely should, you should look into. Um, and it's just one of those little tips and hacks that you can adapt yourself in a hot, hot summer. Like when I saw that video, I thought it was so, so cool. and so interesting. I know a lot of people will find that helpful, but also um, some, I don't know how many people will know this, but my dad used to work as a vicar. And in the vicarage where I grew up, had a massive garden, seriously huge garden. The vicar that was there before him was actually from Jamaica. Okay. And he turned the top half of the garden basically into his own little allotment. Nice. It was all, it was all divided into these like, like, you know, little veg patches. And when I was growing up, every time I went up there, I'd find these plastic bottles like kind of dug into the ground. Mm. Exactly as you just described. Yeah. And... When I watched that video, it just suddenly clicked. And I thought, I'm guessing that that makes a lot of sense that somebody that actually grew up in a very, very hot climate would employ a growing hack like that. Yeah. Yeah. percent. We are delighted to have partnered on the Food Grower Podcast with React Tools. React Tools are the number one place for market gardening and growers tools in the UK. We have seen tools like the Jang Cedar, Paperpot Transplanter, and the Iconoclast Tilther across the world and been envious of growers with access to them. Well, now you can get your hands on all of these and much more. All shipped free from the UK on any order over £100. 
Make your food growing easier and more efficient with the best market gardening tools on the market. Plus, with the partnership with us, the Food Grower Academy, we're now giving 5% of all purchases back as tools to new community or not-for-profit growing projects. Head over now to reagtools.co.uk. That's reagtools.co.uk. How mad is it, though, that you were just saying about these techniques being used in ancient Greece? Mm. And I've just mentioned about somebody growing in Jamaica. And here we are in the UK saying, well, those are really applicable techniques for us now. How, how mad is that? Yeah, I know. It's, um, just like the amount of rainfall we've had, it's been so poor. But I, I feel what I was saying about like living in an age of technology, like we can really harness it. And the fact that maybe I've made someone go out into their garden and do that. And uh, I think as growers, like just to know as much info as possible, that if you're in a bit of a panicky situation, um, like even going on holiday for a couple of days for your indoor plants, I think I'm going to do a video on like, how to maybe water your plants if you can get no one to water them for you and like maybe techniques on that. But like that is completely applicable with the OLAS. Um, obviously, OLAS is a, a more an ex, like we, if you, if you know a potter, maybe you can get them made at a cheaper rate. And they, they, I suppose filling your garden with them would be expensive. And ultimately, I don't like using plastic, but if you have access to like free plastic bottles and you can just dot these around the garden for this like, small quick use then i think it is beneficial just in terms of like ignore the plastic situation for a second but maybe to just really hydrate your soil and make sure that you've got food on your table after like at the end of the day um because ultimately you'll just lose out if you suppress one thing to like not use it for something else i think there's always ways of looking at things but sometimes it's practicality um yeah and I think that's it's actually really interesting to talk on this because I think sometimes using plastic in like growing, it's a little bit of a taboo subject. But yeah. I think it actually it's something that is very, very relevant to a lot of people probably listening to this. It's a necessary evil, isn't it? It's at the minute. It's, I mean, like, you know, full well, just using uh, plastic parts. I've got like a plastic tarp um, that I cover the soil with. And I mean, it's one of those things. We've got polytunnels wrapped in plastic. Um, but Jack do, you, Jack, do you not agree with me, though, that in a way the big problem that I see is like single-use plastic yes. or very, very limited-use plastic? Yeah. And that's... actually, I think it's really cool that, like, for example, let's just take a really random example of that, that big water bottle. That actually... That is the definition of a single-use item, basically, isn't it? Exactly. It gets filled with water. Maybe it goes in a water cooler in an office or something like that. And then when it's empty, at the end of the day, it's disposed of. But I think that actually plastic is a really, really useful material. Like, you know, I think if I was lying on a, an operating table and a plastic ventilator was being used, I'd be glad it's there. Of course, yeah. It, but, it, mate, it's, it's, our society's built around it, isn't it? Like, it's, it's unfortunate because I think there is better ways, but we, we've just not grown up in that society. Well, yeah. maybe one day we'll, we'll find a better way. But yeah, I, I know, man. Sorry to butt in, but yeah, it's, um, it's totally one of those things we can harness in a way at the minute. Um, yeah, but obviously... 
leaching plastic is a real thing as well. And it is, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just I think as well that we're all conscious about you know energy consumption as well. Mm. And the way that I look at it is that you know once a material has actually been made, we've got to be conscious of the energy that's been made to use it. Yeah. And if you can find a really like useful way to keep using that. Um, we're doing a bit of an experiment. This is another tangent, but we're doing a bit of an experiment this year where all the plastic trays that we use for uh, growing the plants, we lay them out in these plastic trays when they're growing. We're doing a bit of an experiment, which is that we are purely reusing the same trays. Yeah, good. And, and seeing how many years we can get out of them by actually really looking after them. Mm-hmm. And so far, we're actually on year three with this current batch. Good. And it's, it's just a bit of a lesson, isn't it, that those trays already exist. And I guess it's just using them again and again. Um, I'm aware that I took us really dramatically off topic there. But a lot of people listening to this will have seen the title Heat Wave. And I'm just wondering how many people listening to this actually just feel really exhausted after the last few weeks. Do you, do you find that the heat wave really affects you in terms of your workload, in terms of how hard it is working outside when it's hot like that? Yeah, I think, I think the heat always has an effect. Like it makes you more tired. Um, ultimately, you can get sunburn, you can get burnout. You've got to be super careful like how much um, liquids you're taking in, how much food you're eating at the, at the same time. Um, so like, for example, um, like we spoke before the podcast about like making sure that you base your watering or your, or your working early in the morning, uh, later in the evening, maybe take the midday, um, part off and maybe do some admin work or other, other jobs that can be done in the shade at uh, indoors, whatever else. Um, that's important. I honestly make sure you carry around water all day. Like you don't realize how much you're sweating it out, but also like that you just got to be taking in so many, so many liquids. Um, and ultimately with the regeneration, me and Chris spoke about this before, but like permacultures about like zonally, like how you plan your garden, but we saying regenerative gardening or, re- or regenerative farming is not regenerative unless you are regenerative in your yes and then regenerative yeah. in your mind so ultimately your mental state's got to be uh right but like your health's got to be right and taking on that water eating good food and i want to stress this because we will definitely mention like wearing sun cream but your skin health and skin cancer is like completely affected by your diet as well so like in lab rats they've seen that like if you eat like a typical Western diet of cruddy food, that uh, skin cancer is like raised um, just through our, like our, for our diet. So we need to be eating food that is going to give us more oxygen, um, uh, just better health in general. And that like our biggest organ is our skin and we need to look after it. So um, yeah, ultimately like covering yourself up, um, wearing hats, um, I mean, in Australia, we were uh, cutting lemons off the of trees and squeezing in our hair to get our hair blonde. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, yeah, probably don't do that. Um, I think, if anything, it just wrecked my hair. Um, but, yeah, just, like, just wear a hat, wear a T-shirt, like, like something that's going to cover your body a little bit more but stay cool. Um, it's just being a little bit more sensible, isn't it, man? 
like I've I've got some yeah. mass this year and it's like something not good. I'm quite a moly person, so I just gotta be more careful than ever. I think as well that one of the things that we should definitely mention is uh, the mental health aspect that if you are doing and I know a lot of our listeners are doing this as a business. So just to spell this out, maybe your financial well being is based on you working outside and actually getting outside and working hard and you can do all the things that we've just mentioned but it's still when he, when you're not used to that level of heat when it's in excess of 35 degrees it's actually quite a dangerous working environment and one of the things that i would stress just from my own personal experience i'm giving this advice jack but i'm the worst one in the world for actually listening to it is that if you are running a little business you are the most important asset of mm. that business. Seriously, yeah. you know, hands down, it does not matter if you lose loads and loads of crops. Your health is the number one thing. Uh-huh. And that's something I've had to teach myself. But being really honest with you, I've got a number of people that help me out here at Urban Herbs. And last week, I had to take the decision to ask them not to come to work because I felt that them working nine to five would actually be quite dangerous, quite dodgy for their their well-being Mm. but where does that leave the business so i was in a situation where i had to do as much as i can and i took a lot of the advice you know that you just said about drinking water about covering up i worked early and i worked late so i was starting any kind of physical work moving bags of growing medium moving lots of trays i was trying to do that around 5 a.m 6 a.m before the heat kicks in Mm. And then doing everything else after 5 p.m. when the heat is just a little bit less. Yeah. But that being said, I, you know, I've been doing this a long time now and I'm not, I'm, I'm, I still haven't got it down because we lost a few trays of, of plants. And we actually sent out messages to customers who've ordered these plants, apologizing and saying, we've lost, you know, this crop. Because of the extreme temperatures, it's our bad. And we got a few messages back from people who were upset or angry, saying that they really wanted those plants and cancelled orders. I can absolutely understand that. But the vast majority of messages that resonated with me is that people got that actually health is more important, that these are quite extreme conditions. Mm. And I think that message is just worth putting out there that actually your health working in this in this weather you know we're all growers we all love it right but you've got to be careful you've got to look after yourself you've got to do all the things that you just said jack you know and just really protect yourself a little bit yeah definitely and also like if people are bored of drinking water just whack in a bit of cucumber a bit of mint um another little tip i love uh borage flour in my water um it like infuses it because it's more like a cucumber taste but it looks good as well actually saying that for a sippy if you uh if you suck up a borage flavor like, it's a little bit, it's a little <laughs> bit but like it, it's good to like infuse the water so like you're just getting a little bit like micronutrients i eat cucumbers at the farm like fresh it's probably good it's nice to have like um i'll go around eating raspberries eating strawberries so i'm just getting sugars make sure your salts are up like electrolytes that sort of stuff like that's just like naturally healthy for you and i naturally I, I almost like place them strategically as snacks around the place <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, just like eat your own produce while you're doing it. Have a little break, have a little snack um, while you're there. Um, so yeah, I think that that's important. Just uh, not number one as well. Like, so in this heat wave, we want to be, make sure we're like mulching more. So like normally we're moaning about slugs and snails. So like last year, um, straw, mulching your beds was more detrimental because the slugs and snails were hiding in there this year it's going to have like the opposite effect um so instead of your uh, you're kind of adding it's almost like you're adding sunscreen to the soil so your protective layer over that soil if that soil is protected under shade um it will stay moist moist like 90 percent more um, moisture content compost is seen as a mulch but like, you can go do that one step further with uh, like leaf mold, straw mulch, um, to name a few. Um, so yeah, so it's like the heat wave is going to put challenges on us as people on our garden. So it's just figuring out ways of hydrating. Um, another thing as well is like shade is a top thing as well. Having like a shady part of your area, somewhere where you can sit, uh, chill out. Don't just have it out in the baking sun. And this can be if you've got an allotment, whether you've got a shed or just having like an area of like trees. Um, some crops hate being in that like full, full sun, but also soils protected under shade. That's why having these open fields of like wheat and grain, like, yeah, we need wheat and grain, whatever, but we don't need like these super exposed fields. So we need to be like rewild in these areas and shade covers soil and protects soil and ultimately if we go and we damage soil we're just damaging the planet and we're damaging ourselves so shade's a big big thing whether that's in a micro environment like your garden or in a macro environment like a huge farmer's field that we could be um, rewilding back to nature because ultimately like if you go to nature and look at woods and jungles it's like mostly it's just protecting the soil um and like what trees do when they drop their leaves is they're protecting the soil and then that breaks down into organic matter. So it's almost like a mulch on top of itself. And then that feeds back into the roots, goes back into the tree, like a little tourist system in, out, in, out, in, out. Um, very regenerative. So, yeah, just try and think about that on the plot as well. It's, it's so fascinating what you just said, you know, about the fact that last year, putting down the mulch maybe would have caused issues mm. this year it's the salvation and i'm just suddenly struck by the fact i know i've said this on this podcast before that each growing season is so different and i always think it's a bit like a game of snooker that all the balls start off in the same places but no game of snooker is ever the same like trust me if you've ever seen the white ball hit into the reds never do those reds finish in the same places Every single frame is different. And I think it's the same with the growing season. The rules keep changing. The conditions keep changing. And that's why I think it's really, really important to have skill sharing and actually have podcasts like this and have accounts like your account, Jack, where you share like wisdom for people who are doing market gardening, be it on a small scale, medium scale, big scale. Because do you know what? Every year is different you've probably got a couple more seasons under your belt than somebody that's just come to this. You've got a few hacks that maybe will benefit them. We're all, we're all, um, we're all looking to that next um, extra bit of knowledge, extra bit of information. 
no one's ever completed the game of growing food or nature. It's impossible. It's like a, I'll be, like, say I live to a grand old age, I'd still be learning every day, every time I'm in the garden, there'll always be something new. So that's a beautiful thing about getting into this is that you're, you're, it's mind candy every season. It's like, oh, what else can I learn? What else can I know? So it's like this magic and wonderment about being in the garden because you're, you're always going to find something that's going to blow your mind. Um, and there's always like, like we can literally open our, our apps now and find information in real time of like, oh my gosh, there's a drought. Like this, I could go through loads of Instagram accounts and some clever content creators are like literally teaching me something I need to implement today or tomorrow. Um, like for example, I done, one video that I've done really well was like during the heat wave of like having little areas, little stations for like insects to like just go down and just drink some water uh, or hedgehogs. We've just got to think of the bigger picture. Like we're always thinking about ourselves and humans, but animals, insects, uh, like I've even seen moles like come out of the soil this year and like scurried around because maybe the soil's like too hot or too dry. Um, yeah, it's very interesting, man. It's like, what's the impact that we're not seeing? So we've got to do our bit. We've got to like be a part we have this ability, which I've always said is like, we have the ability to destroy, to destroy the world on like a rapid, rapid um, scale. But ultimately I feel like if my size of quarter of an acre, if you give me 30 people with all the raw materials, what we could build in like a week would be incredible. Like you could literally build an ecosystem to start with. And so we have this other power that we can ultimately come together and with like hands knowledge um tools we can implement something on an incredible um scale also so we have this ability we think we're like the destroyers of the world which we are but <laughs> we're also incredible creators like the bees the bugs they're all going to do their job and they'll fit the piece of the puzzle but we can literally construct the puzzle um i think that is so powerful i think that's probably the perfect way to round this discussion off on that really hopeful note because i don't know about you jack but i think there is a lot of negative energy out there that very often there's a lot of like hand wringing going on that you know aren't we terrible isn't it sad how many times do you see that isn't it sad isn't it awful but we can be that change and yeah. I know that both me and you are massive friends. Most of you all heard of an Instagram account called Spicy Mustache. Mm. Um, at last count, I think they had about, he, he had about 3 billion followers or something <laughs> like that. So, um, I think most of the people listening to this will already follow Spicy Mustache. But I kind of wanted to round this bit, like, discussion off really with something that he put in one of his reels a couple of days ago that really, really fired me up. And it was a quote that you don't have to be perfect you just have to be better. Mm, that's that's nice, man. And I think that actually that personally, that really, really helped me because sometimes I get a bit overwhelmed by the scale of the task in front of me, you know? Mm. And you, you end up, is it perfection, procrastination, something like that? You end up not doing anything because the task seems so big. Mm. And... After we finish recording this podcast, I'm actually going to go outside. And I'm going to finish a little job I've been doing today, which is attaching guttering to the side of our polytunnels. Nice. 
because I suddenly realized we've got this huge surface area. Yeah. And I need to start filling water butts. Oh, man. So, yeah, I'll send you the video later. Actually, I'll post it. When it's finished, I'll post it onto Urban Herbs and Andy Gross Herbs on Instagram. But I think so many people can actually do that. It's not perfect, but it's better. And mm. I think that's a really hopeful way to just round this off, isn't it? Yeah, definitely, mate. I'm really eager to see that. So definitely jump on the socials if you're listening to this to check that, check that out. But any little tip trick, um, there is plenty of people out there doing all these tips and tricks, which is absolutely amazing. And we're very lucky in this time of millennia that we have access to all this information without uh, reading tons and tons of books, um, very like visually watching these things in real time so that that's great man um really enjoyed this little chat hope people have just taken like nuggets of information out of it um hopefully they feel a little bit better on how to equip themselves during a heat wave and it's just a positive spin on on something we're just going for at the minute but um yeah hope you guys enjoyed that and thank you andy for leading that conversation my friend Yeah, Jack, it's always a pleasure. And I can't wait to talk to you again next week. <laughs> See you then, mate. Catch you later, guys. Look after yourselves and keep growing that good stuff. <laughs>